Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. spooky. Um, (laughs) You're here at the department and we are so excited to share this, our final episode of 2022 with you. Um, Our focus today is going to be our own trend predictions for next year. And I have to say, Cam, I don't want to brag. I don't want to toot my horn too much. I think we have some pretty good ones. Yeah. I think we're going to be on point. Yeah. (laughs) From makeup to clothes to social media to the final demise, fingers crossed so hard, of the hashtag girl boss era, we're going to share what we see happening in 2023. And while it might seem that we just pull these out of thin air, our predictions are actually based on things we're already seeing, our understanding of how trends play out, and all of the information and content we both consume on a regular basis. And you know, not to brag, but we are experts in this area. As we told you way back in episode one, one important component of being a buyer is seeing trends happening before they're actually happening. That's true, Amanda. And also, just so everyone knows, we um, we came up with our own trends um, independently of each other. And so I actually haven't read any of Amanda's trends so uh, we will go back and forth sharing our trend predictions, but I'm sure there's going to be quite a bit of overlap. I will say I cheated. I did read yours. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, there's so much overlap, which just proves that we are on to something here. You That's know? amazing. That, make, that makes me feel uh, good. Proud. Good. Uh, <laughs> Best adjective <laughs> I can think of. <laughs> good. <laughs> yes, that makes me feel good. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks for making me feel good. Well, Kim, I know that before we jump into this, our crystal ball predictions for 2023, I know you have a spiel that you like to share in every episode. So you want to go ahead and throw that out there? I would love to. This is just a weekly reminder to tell your friends and family about the podcast, especially since you're going to be hanging out with them. During the holidays, you're going to go back home for your holiday Hallmark movie special, run into people at the bars <laughs> or whatever you do, uh, at, at the, the local Christmas tree gathering, at the bakery, you know, all of those things. Just stay away from anyone you dated in high school who is single right now. Exactly. Okay? You don't want what's going to happen next. Avoid. But if you do see them, just tell them about the department podcast. Just change the subject and run away. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, Kim, I was thinking about that trope of holiday movies the other day. And I was realizing yeah. about, I don't know, 10 years ago, I think something like that almost happened to me where a guy that I'd gone to high school with who I hadn't seen in a million years reached out to me when I was home for the holidays about hanging out. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure, because oh I was really bored. And then, fortunately, there was an ice storm, so I couldn't go. <laughs> My whole life could have been different. Oh, I mean, I don't think that's fortunate. I think that's fate. <laughs> there you go. 
There you go. So yeah, make sure to let everybody know about the podcast, especially since we're back. Um, you know, we're really putting a lot of effort into um, this this next go around. Um, so we would love to have more people know about how amazing all of our insights are. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm sitting here tooting my own horn, uh, which is mildly embarrassing. But uh, also follow us on your preferred streaming service mm-hmm. so you can know about any new episodes and then Give us a star rating and review if you do use Apple Podcasts. Uh, oh, you can find us on Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. There's more at underscore the underscore department. And if you're looking for show notes or image references to anything that we bring up during our podcasts, you can find it at the department.world. Thank you, Kim. So before we jump into our individual predictions, I did want to just talk for a few moments about Pantone Color of the Year because we started, I think, last year with an episode about Pantone, or it was it was not that long ago, although it feels like it was a long time ago. And we talked about, you know, some of our feelings about these colors over the years. And, you know, this year, Pantone declared that the color of the year is Viva Magenta. And what's incredible about this, but not surprising, is that Kim called this long before it happened. And I know that because I was working with her at the time. <laughs> and she was bringing in a magenta bag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was that. That was that was the the color because I knew that it would, there was going to be something there. And I, you know, I, I don't live in a vacuum, and nor does any of these do these color predictions. Uh, so I think it was uh, WGSN and Coloro. They they partner together. They're kind of like a Pantone, but like a way way cooler and more forward. Um, they actually predicted magenta for 2022 already so that's kind of where i got that from and i was like this this really feels like something like it's going to go somewhere and it really kind of shows how kind of you know delayed pantone can be sometimes it's true they're like have you guys heard about cottagecore it's like come on pantone (laughs) you're tired (laughs) exactly Exactly. Yeah. So I think I think they, they usually let a color play out for a little bit, you know, like we saw like that, like um, the ye- uh, yellow and pink and lavender. We all saw them way ahead. Oh, the pink, of, the year the, they did the pink. I was like, I'm embarrassed for you because this has been exactly. going on for a while. <laughs> it's, it's a little, it's actually a little late. I mean, even the lavender oh, from last year. I'm totally, like, this is totally. so late. But they've got different intentions. They do. So. They do. They for sure. And I, although sometimes it's a little murky to me because I look at Viva Magenta and I say like that is a color that can drive sales, which is the whole point of it, yes. right? It's like a business thing. Uh, but in the past, there have been some colors where I just did not feel were as commercially viable as we talked about way back in that Pantone episode. Yeah. So if, if you guys haven't listened to the Pantone episode, it's definitely it's a joy. It's a joy ride. It is. It is. It's a real joy ride. So, Kim, like, what do you, what are your feelings for the next Pantone color of the year? Like, what are you thinking? Well, you know, I'm, color is one of my my favorite things to study and to understand, and it was something that I, you know, I I felt like I always had a strong suit for. Um, so, you know, just kind of going back into a late trend that's clearly been happening for a few years now. I really, <laughs> I, I would assume, or I'm predicting that Pantone for. Next year, which we won't see for another year, like we're, this is not going to come out for some time. Um, it w- might be like a 90s nostalgia color. Um, and if you kind of follow what's happening and how they um, they pick their colors over the year, they don't like it to be a similar color 
So mm-hmm. like if it's if they have magenta, they won't do another pink or a red. So I was thinking something that's kind of closer to like an apricot, like an orange color mm-hmm. that just feels like a little strange, but really nineties or totally. a bright citrony, um, kind of like a, a green, uh, yellow green, something really nineties, mm-hmm. or even a Kelly green. Which actually the reason I I say say this a Kelly green or like a really kind of deep evergreen is because it's actually really popular right now. You know, yeah, I know, I know. It's true. And they do think that they kind of jump on what is popular, even though like they're yes. supposed to be predicting the future. And it has been a while since there's been a green. There was that has been. emerald a few years ago, which was not good no. in terms of like product. Not like that good. was in that color. It was a really difficult color. I actually think I think you're onto something there with that like yellowy citron kind of color. So I was thinking, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed. I know that you've noticed, Kim. Everybody is really feeling depressed right now. Mm-hmm. Like, cost of living is out of control. I went grocery shopping last night, and I know I'm starting to sound like someone's nana, but no, I, like, could not believe. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how expensive some things were. Um, and just in general, like, it's just a hard time. Like, I know, you know, I still work in the retail sector, and our business is horrible. I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not even as good as last year. And I think it's because people aren't even going out and shopping for the holidays. While I would love to believe that this is part of a larger consumer trend away from overconsumption, and it could be part of that, I think the bigger part of it is that people are just, they're having a hard time right now. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and thought about the 2008 recession and the year after that when Pantone said, okay, everybody. I did the same thing. Right, okay. And Pantone was was looking at the colors. And they picked yellow that year, although that yellow was bad. Ugly. They call it mimosa. Yeah, it was terrible. It was dingy yellow. Very dingy, very dingy. And so I think something like a citron sounds mm-hmm. fun and optimistic. They're totally going to use the word optimistic yeah. when they release it. Uh, and I think, it. I mean, it, this com- is a color that some people do love and can be very flattering and is actually really great for a lot of consumer products. I love that color. yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but that's, that's where I'm seeing it. That's actually the other color I picked for 2022. <laughs> Wow! Um, if you don't, if you you don't remember, I did. A, I do now. A, yeah, a magenta yep. and a and this like citron green because they looked so good together. I mean, quite honestly, these tropical colors, like just like the theme of tropical, mm-hmm. is you know it's kind of an escapism kind of thing. Oh and yeah, so those colors are so popular right now because people just they just want to feel like they're you know <laughs> I don't know on vacation. You know, no, totally. I see tropical as a big, a big print story for this spring, actually. Um, and I can say that, like, having gone to market and also yeah. just like seeing yeah. different brand decks for next year, that like tropical, get ready, everyone, it's coming. But I think it's coming in a new way that we haven't seen in the past. It feels fresher, especially in terms of the use of color. But citron is definitely a part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, All I'm right. So, I'm so glad you agreed. I, I was a little, you know, hesitant about it because citron is a really it's an intense color, like a chartreuse citron. Mm-hmm. It can, it, it's, it's got a lot of the seventies and nineties vibes, but you know, it definitely can have some resistance, but I love it. It's one of my Listen, favorite colors. Kim, if we're right on this, oh. we are going to go to Vegas <laughs> together and we're going to go to Pepper Hill for dinner. <laughs> oh, my favorite. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> and yes, we'll do yes, something yes. else too, but yeah, mostly to go to the Pepper Mill. Just go to the Pepper Our- Mill. Our favorite restaurant in Las Vegas. Yes, we we have to spend a lot of time in Vegas usually for for market and you know the Pepper Mill is just like home. 
You know, they make that rainbow sugar, right? Like they, yeah. it's on all the mm-hmm. tables have like this rainbow sugar to put in your coffee. And I bought a bag like before the pandemic and I finally used it all because I, I only I don't really eat sugar. I only use it to coat cookies, you know, like Ooh, to make the yeah. balls and then roll them mm-hmm. in it. Um, and it makes it actually turns the cookies into red and green like glitter on the outside, which is really cool. Um, and I spent this weekend baking a ton of stuff to send Dylan and Ryan, including these ginger cookies that are like the best recipe ever. And they are now red and green because they were rolled in that sugar. So it's basically what I'm saying is I need to go to the pepper mill again soon. Just to get some more sugar. Just to get more sugar. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I could Google and find it somewhere else anyway. Yeah, yeah that's like – you can get that on Amazon, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you start us off with a trend oh, that you okay. see coming? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So like we said, we're going to go back and forth. Um, and this is definitely not a surprise here. So um, one of my trends that I'm going to assume is going to kind of – uh, rear its head is, you know, recession, inflation, all of those things are really going to have um, a pretty massive effect on the population as a whole. Just like Amanda said, going to the grocery store is, I mean, it's like, it's like your life savings. It's so expensive. Um, and so I actually really expect that a lot of the trends that were really hot during the pandemic will actually kind of come back to life and we'll start mm-hmm. to flex the skills that we accumulated through the pandemic that also just so happens to let us live kind of happily and affordably. And, you know, I think there was obviously trends in people purchasing a lot of um, tools to get to these trends. So like cooking, I think people are going to start cooking at home even more, entertaining at home, cocktails at home, fixing clothing instead of replacing. Um, You know, I think that a lot of people learned how to do a lot of these things, you know, make a really nice old fashioned. Um, mm-hmm. They got really nice like dishes and um, glasses to, you know, to actually have in-home uh, meals. So, you know, and they, they also learned how to cook. They probably like actually developed more and more skills on, um, on cooking. So it'll just be, you know, instead of maybe going out to a restaurant, which we know is ridiculously expensive, or how about this? Ordering food for delivery. I mean, <laughs> uh, are you, outlandish what? at this point. What do you think? I am a Rockefeller. I mean, come like you when you get a pizza, fifty dollars at least. With, yeah, we like, don't we don't order delivery at all. It's unbelievable. It's just too luxurious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I just you know I think that people learn to be extremely resourceful during the pandemic and i think it's actually going to come back and be a really big beneficial area for everyone as they lean back into all these you know kind of home trends that we had um during you know during these these times of like high inflation and financial uncertainty i totally agree with all of that and actually the first trend i'm going to throw out there well mm-hmm. it's actually a group of a few but they directly feed off of what you were just saying um, I think we're going to see more and more people hosting sort of like salon service parties because we all learned during the pandemic how to do our own nails, dye our hair. I mean, basically, Madison Reed was built yes. off of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. All cut our own bangs, give ourselves facials, do the baby foot peel, all of those things. We learned how to do the it on baby our baby foot peel. Right? Yes, yes. Um, so here's here's where I have this idea that we're going to be doing them together now because I before we couldn't do it together. Because, you know, the pandemic, and it's still the pandemic, but we feel safer being with people. I think it'll turn it into, like, a social thing where you can, like, you can give your friend a manicure, and then they can give you a manicure, and you can dye each other's hair, whatever. And so you'll have that 
added benefit of someone else doing it for you because you know it's always better when someone else does Absolutely. it, right? Oh, yes, of course, especially if you're doing the other hand, you know? Exactly, exactly. What planted that seed in my mind, actually, this week, I was listening to an episode of Marketplace, you know, on National Public Radio. I'm a proud, sustaining member of KUT here in Austin. I listen to a lot of NPR. And they were talking about how actually the price of the cost of services, including things like salon services, have really outpaced anything else in terms of inflation, which makes sense, right? Because when you're paying someone to do your nails or your hair or give you a facial or whatever, you're also paying for their higher cost of living and their higher rent and the higher cost of supplies and all of those things. And so it's like a perfect storm of all of these inflationary factors coming together. So people are getting priced out of this kind of stuff. And then it was just like kismet. I read an article today on Dazed about people who are distraught because they can no longer afford to get these things done. And, oh, yeah. and you know, I thought this was going to turn into a really like triumphant article at the end, but it was that would be like, but I learned that I'm beautiful without getting my nails done <laughs> or getting Botox. But actually, everybody was like, I'm giving up food yeah. in order to do this. I am using less heat because how I look is how I feel and I need to feel good. And other people were like, I'm a shadow of myself because I can't do this. And I was like, wow, I know a lot of people are feeling that way. What if there was a way we could help one another? Yeah. I mean, that goes back to like that self-care trend. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, it's a really smart idea in business venture, Amanda. Uh-oh, new business Uh-oh. alert. Um, <laughs> and speaking of beauty, mm-hmm. I think this also ties into the current economic situation, but I think it also ties into Gen Z specifically being really – I don't know, they're more of a disruptor in terms of like what they perceive the value of things. And and sure, there are tons of Gen Z people out there who want like Balenciaga bags or whatever. But there are also a lot of Gen Z people who are like, value is a personal thing. What brings value to me may not bring value to others, but they see the inherent value in things that are often overlooked. And I think we're going to see a return to drugstore cosmetics brands. Oh, yes. Um, I mm-hmm. think... I don't think it will apply to skincare because I think everybody is way too scientific about skincare this these days. We're all Except way more educated. Cetaphil. Pe- uh, That's people true. People love do love Cetaphil. Cetaphil. People mm-hmm. do love Cetaphil. Um, but I will say also there are brands like The Ordinary and The Inky List that actually offer high-powered skincare products at drugstore prices. So I don't think you need to switch to suddenly like, I don't even know, Oil of Olay or something like that. But when it comes to cosmetics – We all kind of know that they're the same anyway. And actually, I had a friend who studied cosmetic chemistry at FIT. And she told me years ago, just blew my mind. She was like, actually, the cosmetics that you buy at the drugstore have often been tested more than anything else out there. They often have the latest technology in terms of formulation, pigmentation, et cetera, because they have like all the money in the world. Wow. So they're always ahead, actually. Um, And we know that, you know, a lot of cosmetics we pay for, we're mostly paying for the package and a pretty high high markup. So I do think there's going to be a return there. And I'm actually seeing this starting to unfold on social media anyway with people of, like, celebrities, you know, to, like, teenagers, to all kinds of people in between – Re, really re-embracing even things like wet and wild, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, and I just think that this era of like glossier and more expensive makeup is kind of screeching to an end. I think we're going to see more and more content across social media, across blogs, et cetera, 
really shifting to drugstore cosmetics and away from Sephora. I think many of us at this point who loved Sephora for a long time, it's it's not like an aspirational brand anymore. Uh, it doesn't mean much to a lot of people. And actually, okay, this, this relates to Sephora. I have to tell you about this. So I was doing a, a little segment on Close Horse about fake reviews on Amazon and other platforms. And I installed this plugin on Chrome that I had read about that can spot fake reviews. Really? It's called, it's called Fake Spot. Wow. You can install it in Google Chrome. You can also download an app. And so it will call out, like if you go into Amazon, it will basically total up the reviews and analyze them and tell you what the real score is when it takes out the fake ones. And I noticed that it also had been, you know, it had the AI to do Sephora. So I logged into Sephora and I just started looking stuff up. And wow, crazy amounts of fake reviews. <gasps> no. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like a lot of things that I actually use um, would maybe have like a four or five star review based on what Sephora was saying. And fake spot would say, no, it's actually two. <gasps> we give this product a C or a D for review authenticity. Oh, wow. And I thought I thought that was really interesting. And I mean, I'd already... I used to be one of those people who's always like, I'm Sephora Rouge or whatever. And, you know, three years ago, I was like, yeah, fuck that. Why am I buying all that stuff from Sephora? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that is a larger movement we're seeing. I mean, even Ulta is eating into Sephora's market share in a big way because it offers those like prestige brands, but it also has drugstore brands. It's like a great combo. And I kind of think this is the world that we live in now where people do that high-low, much like they would do with fast fashion and designer clothing in the aughts. I think that that's where we are with skincare. I also think that there are just too many celebrity lines at this point that I think are also going to fall flat. Like, why is Brad Pitt having a skincare line? I, have you heard about this? No, I have not. Yeah, what the f- I I just, I have, words fail me. I'm not interested, you know? I mean, he notoriously has, like, kind of weird looking skin. Leathery skin. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like- I know. <laughs> and my last thing I'm going to say in terms of beauty, which I know, actually, is going to be a great transition into one you have. I think it's going to be the end of Glossier and a lot of these other mm-hmm. millennial mega brand, like, online brands that are really hanging on right now. Like Glossier, there was a big shakeup. Uh, I follow a subreddit for Glossier. It's actually like really annoying. I'm about to unsubscribe, but I can't stop watching. Um, where they have been just f- like flooding Marshalls and TJ Maxx with their product, which is never a good really? sign. I say that as someone who worked at Nasty Gal and we Wait, did the same Glossy- thing. Glossier? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Everybody's every day like, oh, my God, I went to Marshall's today and there were three shelves of, of Balm.com. That's basically just like a jobber. Yeah. They're just like jobbing out they inventory. They are dumping a crazy amount of inventory, which when yeah. I see that, I'm like, cash flow problems, mm-hmm. you know? It is. Um, and they are reformulating everything because they want to get into Sephora as a clean beauty line. And so a lot of customers are feeling really betrayed by that. And I guess the new reformulations that they've rolled out so far, they kind of did in a not transparent way where people just received something and were like, this is different than it used to be and then read oh, the ingredients. or reached that. It. They hate that. Um, and people are really unhappy with these reformulations. So I don't oh. know. I, I haven't bought anything from Glossier since before the pandemic. Yeah. And I guess that one thing they've really gotten into is doing like limited edition cosmetics and like merch. And so there's been a lot of like 
disappointing merch launches this year too. And like, you know, they're like, oh, here's a mug that says Glossier. Like, who wants that? <laughs> so they're definitely just like in a really weird place. But I, like, I started talking to Justin about this before you and I started recording. And I said, you know, one of the predictions that both of us seem to have is a lot of these brands that have been kind of darlings, or at least they seemed like it, are going to hit the wall this year. Absolutely. Because it's a different it's a different environment. It is. You know? It's, well, and that, you know, this was one of my pr- predictions that we're going to see a lot of more DTC brands collapse. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, uh, it's a similar thing to what you're saying. Um, and the conditions just not being conducive to stability. Um, and it's, you know, it's not just on like the sales side, but feeding the, the capitalism beast is clearly wavering. And mm-hmm. it, a lot of it comes down to, you know, DTC has to be, to, or has to invest a ton of their money into mm-hmm. new acquisitions of customers, which is insanely expensive and has gotten so much more expensive since like 2016. You know, that was when these DTC comp- co- uh, companies were really, you know, driving sales and getting new customers and using like, Facebook ads and Instagram ads and all those things to actually acquire new um, new customers. And now it is so insanely expensive that it, it's mm-hmm. not profitable and it's really hard to to bring new people in. Um, I was reading about Wink, how Wink, which is that, that wine subscription brand, right? Yes. I mean, spoiler, we're going to do an episode about subscriptions and the yes. trend in the coming months because this is something we have seen peak I mean, I think it peaked a couple of years ago, but this is going to be the year that a lot of them are going to crumble as well. Yeah. And for example, Wink, you know, they grew so much during the pandemic. And I think that a lot of these companies grew real a lot. If they had the right product, grew a ton during the pandemic. And then they projected that that trajectory would still stay really high. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, invested in people, operations, inventory, marketing, you know, to really scale their company. And it just hasn't been able to reciprocate. Like the, the people, they're losing customers because, you know, people are going on to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And even House, that um, uh, the aperitif line. Do you know oh, they, yeah. It, it closed. Wow. That was fast. Can you? But Well, they were trying to raise funding because mm-hmm. they were trying to grow and they couldn't get the funding and they basically just they had to close because they, they couldn't sustain um the demands it was insane and so, so searing these like you know these companies that are big companies you know having these issues that's going to start rolling out to you know everyone everyone with dtc and you know with the, obviously with the potential pending, you know, economic uncertainty, you know, everyone's just going to be dialing back their spending and looking for um, cost cutting and also just, you know, trading down, buying cheaper things. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like going back to Glossier, um, in addition to all this weird stuff that they're doing that all to me as a person who's lived through this before seems like a mistake. This one, you're going to be like, oh, man, yeah, they're fucked. They're opening a ton of stores. Oh, no. <laughs> a ton. They just opened one in Philadelphia. Like, no. they're opening them everywhere. And I am just like, you know, it's not like they're – it's like a small build-out. It's not like low budget. You know, it's all about, like, experiential elements and mm-hmm. stuff. And when I see that, I just get – I get flashbacks to Nasty Gal. Yeah. And, like, what is this, 2016? And I just think with makeup, wow. you got to sell a lot of boy brow to pay that rent. Yeah, you do. 
Um, and I was thinking like, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of these like lingering girl boss brands kind of fall apart, like Glossier being one. But I was kind of low-key thinking that Bandeau might not be doing very well because they have been wildly I've, promotional. I've been I've been curious about them too. Yeah, I, they've been wildly promotional. Away, that suitcase company that had yeah. all that scandal like during the peak of the pandemic, never hear about them. Uh, another one that occurred to me right before we were recording is Love Shack Fancy. Mm. Like there every week, it's like an email that they're having 75% off, which is never good. And they had an expose came out I don't know, like a month or two ago, Business Insider. It was picked up by a lot of other outlets. Basically, just about how that company is like really racist and fat phobic and all, all the all the bad things. All the things. All the things that you know always come with these these brands, mm-hmm. right? So I do think we're going to see a big shakeup there, and I'm not mad about it because no. none of these models were being run in a way that was ethical. And I mean ethical even in terms of just like how the employees were treated, what the work environment was like. I mean, how could we forget the wing? <laughs> you know, that the woman who oh. was like the CEO of the wing now has a store oh, in Brooklyn that is like with, cottage core. With, yeah, with the stories. But they're all white people. Oh, my God. I, I think there might be like one black character. Anyways, it's 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 fascinating. I forget what the, what the place is called. Yeah, it's whatever. It sucks. That's all we need to tell you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think like enough is enough. And while our outrage or even disinterest in buying these things hasn't been enough, what will be is that they can't get funding anymore. Yeah. And all of these companies have been living outside their means for quite a while. Oh, like, like Casper. And, I mean, even Warby Parker, all those, they haven't even been yeah. profitable. I mean, I did notice now that you bring up, you know, promotional things. I, I really like that brand Cup. Um, mm, they, they do the bras yeah. and underwear and, you know, they're very, mm-hmm. they're very like size inclusive and, you know, they embrace all bodies, which I really appreciate and I actually really like their product. And they have never, you know, b- before I think this holiday, they never offered any sort of discounts or promotions and they were- They didn't have to. They didn't have to. And they were really promotional this year. I was really surprised to see that. And I was like, well, I wish I needed some bras. <laughs> Maybe next year. I mean, I guess in 2023, where are you predicting it? I mean, everyone's going to probably be on, you know, be pretty heavily promotional just to try to move inventory that they all stocked up for for the holiday and just maybe didn't necessarily see the sales come through. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a lot of that. I mean, you know, you and I ta- have talked about this many times over the last month. A lot of retailers did not see the sales come through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it doesn't surprise me. no. Uh, it kind of like crept up and then was here very suddenly, but everybody is struggling. I mean, like the grocery thing alone, you cannot. No. You cannot. Not at I mean, all. you can't dismiss it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. crazy. It's insane. I know. I know. And I, I remember know. If this was like in the summer. I went to the grocery store and I was like, this ketchup bottle is $7. It's a Heinz kept. I was like, this, this is the most upsetting purchase I've made all year. And I'm like, oh, but I need goodness. the ketchup. I know we we were out of sriracha and it was eight dollars, oh. and I said we're not getting that. Exactly. <laughs> that. I mean, and then yeah. then the next time I went to the grocery store, I saw the ketchup was on sale, and I bought it that up, even though I didn't need it. I was just like, this shit is just so expensive. I am just gonna, oh I'm stocking gosh. up on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is you cannot you cannot underestimate the impact mm-hmm. of the, of this stuff. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think I think we're we're gonna see a, a this whole landscape of direct-to-consumer brands really changed because 
even as we were talking, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, another one that I had wondered about was Parade. Mm-hmm. Because they, I mean, they're always, like, everything's always on sale. So it's confusing about, like, it how is. successful that business model is. is. They recently did a collab with Coca-Cola, which they just got blasted. And they lost so many customers. Wait, really? People were like, why would you, first off, I mean, question number one, just in general, why would you do a collaboration with Coca-Cola? I mean, I can tell you why. Money. Money, Number yeah. two, why would you, if you are all about sustainability, why would you partner with a brand that is is often declared the number one polluter in the world every year? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, wait, what was like, the what? collab? I, I, I don't even know. I don't know how I missed it. I get like five million emails. I think that's what the problem. I get five million <laughs> no, emails they email from me Parade. Like, I just don't even look uh, at them anymore. I've never even bought anything from Parade, but they email me like multiple times a day. And uh, the collab, I looked it up. I mean, it was like underwear and slips and bras, all with like the Coca-Cola logo on it. Oh. I can't even understand it. I don't know who that's for. Like, I just, I, I, you know what? I understood the Forever 21 Taco Bell collab, and I think that was brilliant. Yeah. I don't get this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what? what a bad idea. What a bad idea. Okay, well, it's your turn to share a prediction. Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's go down my little list. Um, I okay. am a, okay. I'm you know I'm gonna step out on a little limb here. I'm gonna say black is back, baby. Oh man, this connects to one of my trends. Okay, this is great. Tell and uh, you know, not only has Wednesday Adams from that excellent rendition now streaming on Netflix. Have you watched it? I'm assuming you have. I haven't. <gasps> I canceled my Netflix. Because they were airing all that Dave Chappelle stuff. Oh. And I just, I was like, I can't anymore. Um, but now I'm missing all these good programs. Oh, you're missing so many, I, you're missing so many good programs. Wednesday is awesome. And it's it's just, it's just, you know, it's a fun romp. And of course, the fashion is fantastic. And it's taking the world by storm. Tons and tons of like memes and, you know, videos, TikToks, um, you know, influential Gen Z and young millennials are all kind of you know, picking up that Wednesday vibe and, you know, playing with it. Um, and of course, we also know that the pendulum swings both ways with trends. And it's been a while since mm-hmm. Black has really oh, trended. and tr- Takes me back. I know. <laughs> and truthfully, maximalism, you know, it needs a bit of a balance. And mm-hmm. what's the opposite of maximalism but color? Or mm-hmm. and color but Black. Sorry. but um, But Black, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so I think pe- people are also – we've talked about this in our nostalgia episode that people are nostalgic for earlier times, like 2014. Um, <laughs> the earlier times. The earlier times, 2014. So that's been almost 10 years. Um, <laughs> this was that, eight years? I'll tell you. I made a reel a couple weeks ago that had a She and Him song on it, oh, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Zoe yeah. Deschanel's mm-hmm. little musical act there. And people were losing their minds over it. <laughs> And just like, yes, bring it back. So I think you're right. There is all this nostalgia for 2014. Yeah, it's like almost 10 years. T- 2013. It's the Obama era. You know, we were all brunching. And we're in a lot of black. You know, we're it was either tree or like kind of this gothic look. And I really mm-hmm. think that people still have closets full of retired black clothing that they've just kind of been sitting on and waiting and they can mm-hmm. bring that back as if it's completely new, which would be another kind of cost efficient and, you know, it's like a cost efficient method to revitalize their wardrobe and look kind of cool and fresh and relevant without having to go 
and purchase anything. Yeah, I, I stand by all of that as a person who definitely has black clothes in my closet. <laughs> Me too. For sure. Me too. Okay, so I I have a group of fashion trends that play off of what you're talking about. Um, So let's put a pin in black, but I'm going to start with mm-hmm. what I think will be the more loud, flamboyant style of dress and trend, like uh, fashion trend that is going to be playing out. And that is going to be 80s style. Absolutely. And this actually came to me as I was thinking about the way trend cycles work. It's we're ripe for the 80s again. It's been close to 20 years since it was all current in the past, and it's definitely ripe for a return. And actually, there's that film Cocaine Bear. I don't know if you've heard about it. Mm. It takes place, I want to say, in 1985. And it starts with this bear. This is a true story. A bear who found a packet of cocaine in the woods that had fallen. A guy was smuggling it, uh, and he ate it and, like, you know, went into, like, a very dangerous, murderous rage. But it's really about a guy who's, like, smuggling and and selling coke. Um, And people are really into the 80s of it all, Mm, you know? mm -hmm. Um, I've also just been starting to see it here and there from, like, a little bit of a fashion perspective with, like, shoulder pads and bodycon dressing. And... I see it becoming more and more relevant also from an aesthetic and a design perspective. So really thinking about like graphic design, but also decor and everything in between. Um, I would, for example, I would cite the Vacation website. So 80s, right? Um, And I actually, even myself, have been really feeling a lot of 80s fonts a lot lately. And I think when people hear 80s fonts, they think like, Space Invaders, Atari-type fonts, but actually there was this, like, roundness to font at that point, which I find really appealing. Um, You'll see a lot of that on the Vacation website. But I also see that Vaporwave aesthetic coming back, too, because the original design inspiration for Vaporwave was the Memphis Group, which was a collective of postmodern designers and architects based in Milan, Italy, in the early 80s. And it was all about bold colors, maximalism, definitely that whimsy. That's how you end up with a couch that's shaped like a car, that kind of thing. Um, And I think that's like a really natural extension of Avant Basic. And it feels more needed than ever during these depressing times. I also think Citron plays into that so well, as does our Viva Magenta. Um, I think Viva Magenta really points to that 80s resurgence as well. I guess my big question there is like, who's ready to wear magenta lipstick? Because it's not me. (laughs) And that's because I am going to be a part of the counter trend because every trend needs a counter trend. Remember the aughts? We had that mainstream sleazy culture and then we had the hipsters on the other side of it right i think the counter trend for this 80s-ness will be a return to dark solid color dressing oh there you go more earth tones even like burgundy dark olive army green black and gray i'm also thinking that 90s no makeup makeup which was actually a lot of makeup but it was like brownish eyeshadow and brownish lipsticks and then like faux dirty hair i bet that brand like is it tg tiggy whatever it is oh yeah, yeah they're yeah. probably so stoked about a possible return of bedhead sales um i remember bedhead oh yeah right so this like kind of intentionally messy look but that is very like I remember my favorite lipstick was this drugstore brand named Jane, and they had a lipstick color called Brown Down Red that was exactly what it was. It was like if you mixed a uh, red with some brown, it was 
This is like the iconic lip color of that time. Go look at pictures of Drew Barrymore in the 90s. You can see that color there. Yeah. Um, And I think we're going to see like these less trendy silhouettes and lots of layering of existing pieces, just like you were saying. I think this could be a great time for reviving Calvin Klein and their iconic 90s intimates as well. All this mesh. They like really basic mesh. Uh, Like, I mean, back then, that was the craziest thing anyone had ever seen. See-through underwear. What's next? Um, I think that I think we're really ripe for that to come back. But I also think school uniform dressing um, is going to be coming back. And I don't think that's just wishful thinking, although I do love school uniform. Like a la Britney Spears? No, not in a sexy way. In a very literal way. I've been seeing this more and more mm. on TikTok and other social media platforms, basically plaid skirts, sweater vests. Button-ups layered under cardigans, all genders involved in this. Um, not in the weird way on OG Gossip Girl where Serena tried to make her uniform look like sexy and undone and certainly not in the Britney Spears way either. But just like literal, this is what I wear to school <laughs> because yeah. I'm required weird. to. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like, actually, I don't even want to bother with fashion right now. Yeah. I just want to put on yeah. this Yeah, you know, I went to a fancy private school that had a really strict dress code. Like, like girls couldn't even wear pants to school. We had to wear skirts, and they had to be long, but we didn't have uniforms. And it was, like, a rich kid's school, so I couldn't afford to wear whatever they were wearing. Um, so I would just go to the Salvation Army and buy all of the school uniforms and just wear those to school in a very literal, oh. non-sexy way. And that's what I imagined this look. So this is wearing this... Not just to school. Yeah, no, just in life. And I think it actually ties into that darker, more, I I don't know, moodier 90s-ness. It's not even like it's moody. It's just simpler, you know? Even though there is definitely calculation involved. I love that. I think that's really great. Uh, That reminds me a bit of the – what's the – it's not cottagecore. It's the um, dark academia. This is like the evolution of that. Yeah. yeah, and there'll be no magenta lipstick in that aesthetic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in regards to fashion trends on my end, I was thinking that denim might be coming back. Oh God, uh, <laughs> I know. Um, What's the silhouette? <laughs> but what do you I, think? Like, what are the pants going to be? Y- you know that I don't know. Um, but I think that because we are kind of entering this time period where people are going to be investing in things that have more longevity. Um, you know, it's either pulling something out of your closet that you have a ton of, which is going to mm-hmm. be denim, um, or something that's really flush in the resale market, which is denim. Definitely. Um, Definitely. I can really see, de- you know, denim, it just, it, it comes and goes and, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of imagining it being all over the place. Yeah, I think um, so. You know what? I just don't want to come back. Remember? Okay. Low rise. We'll know that too. Okay. There are two things I don't want to come back. One is low rise. When you and I were working at Nasty Gal, our boss would always wear these denim skirts that were like knee length oh, and flippy. like hyper distressed, yes. bra edge. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Don't like those. Th- those can't come back. Amanda says no. They had like a weird sort of beige wash over them. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they all cost uh-huh. like $400. They were hideous. Hideous. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, so I don't want those to come out. But I did have this denim skirt in college that was actually a pair of jeans, full-length jeans, that were cut with yes. another denim panel sewn in. Yes, I did Let's too. bring that back. I love That's that. That's That was fun. Yeah. You, took, you took an old pair of jeans and you and you could um, sew it into a skirt. Yeah. I love that. Do it, guys. Yeah. We're all doing it next year. Yeah. 
I also think the boho bohemian trend, which was kind of a massive part of the aughts, mm-hmm. and hasn't mm-hmm. really been, been like a particularly big part of this um, kind of aughts revival. Um, but I don't think we've seen it play out enough, and I think that this is going to come back. Um, and I've heard that maxi skirts are trending now. Thank God, my face. Yes. Um, so the boho aesthetic, like, you know, basically the core of all of what anthropology was founded on, I can mm-hmm. see that being a popular a popular trend, especially since the Western trend is really popular. Um, this is like just like a totally. next step to slide right into prairie. And then what that takes us right into boho. Um, and then we're kind of just rocking that boho look again, which has not seen the light of day. For I mean, since what two thousand and seven, eight? Well, I think it was still going. Okay, I would say it was like the coolest around two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight, maybe even two thousand nine. But when we were at Nasty Gal, it had already been co opted into like festival. Right? Yeah, it had yeah, changed. yeah, yeah. Not good. Dark time for it. Festival, <laughs> um, right? Yeah. And then I, you know, and then it was like. Every time I went to Magic for the next five years, oh my God. it was like Everywhere. garbage, right? Uh-huh. Just terrible. Like so watered down. So I do think there's something there. And I do see like Western continuing to be super relevant um, because we have a lot more like shows and movies in, in the ether right now that are around like classic country. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been actually watching on Showtime this amazing series about George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Five Ooh, I want to see that. Watch yes. It. So good. The outfits are amazing. Um, but what I'm also seeing out there right now that really it's it's the middle ground between Boho and Wednesday Adams. Mm. Um, and I, it's a space like that, that for sure Stevie Nicks lives in. Uh, it's like I'm seeing a lot of like lace up vest corsety things moving back in. In fact, I have been layering over almost all my dresses lately. This vintage uh, black velvet lace up vest that I found that has a big moon on the back. Oh, wow. Um, and I yeah. think that's that space in between. But I'll like lace it up over like a very like prairie kind of cottage core dress. And I think I'm seeing a lot more people wearing black boots again. Like, I think that that m- middle ground right there that is Stevie Nicks, I guess. I love that. Not quite I love that middle ground. Fringy and yes. flamboyant. Yeah, I yeah. I think, I think that we're seeing that. And that, I mean, that was an aesthetic that was also happening in the 90s. It's like for Kate sure. Bush. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think also there's still going to be this space for like pastel and like very Marie Antoinette inspired dressing because that that strangely also is like connected to Wednesday Adams in a way you wouldn't expect, you know? Exactly. Where it's also like this classic, like literally classic, like going back a couple hundred years classic. And that all that all fits together. That's that's great. Moving away from fashion, I think, well, hopefully I'm right here. Instagram is going to revert to focusing on photos. Interesting. And I think that's because they're losing to TikTok. Yeah, they're losing to TikTok in a big way. I read so many things about this, and they've already been mixing up their algorithm quite a bit, trying to figure it out, but they're not even getting close to the number of users that TikTok is getting. It's just not where this this push into Reels is not working for Instagram. Um, I don't think, because I started to think about that, and I was like, oh, my God, if they took videos off there, is it going to turn into Facebook, where it's just like a bunch of elder millennials <laughs> complaining about skinny jeans being gone? Um, I don't think so, because I think that this is going to 
create a resurgence of interest in Instagram, specifically for a whole new generation of photographers yes. and artists who are looking for a new platform for sharing work, which the early days of Instagram were all it about was, that. Exactly. And actually allowed these artists to like get jobs and become household names. And just as we're all thinking about wearing more black clothing and getting back into boho, it's all from that time mm-hmm. period. I think that we're going to see that happen. The tum- Tumblr. Well, can I just say that's my other social media prediction. Oh. I told oh. Dustin, I was like, this is my wildest prediction for 2023. I think we're going to see Tumblr coming back in a big way. I've been hearing a lot about Tumblr. That is exactly what Dustin said when I told him. He's like, I've been yeah. hearing a lot about it, too. And I think, you know, they recently uh, lifted their ban on nudity, um, which was actually put like, I mean, of course, that, you know, eliminated a lot of pornography on Tumblr, but also pushed a lot of artists off of there because they were just like, uh, that's that's my thing. You know? Yeah, exactly. So I I have actually been, it's not like I started a Tumblr or anything recently or restarted, I should say, but I've been using Tumblr more as a resource actually for looking at trends and getting inspiration. Let's all sign up for Tumblr. Let's see, what do I have? You know, this one, um, this one goes a little bit back to what you were talking about, kind of about the self-care um, is I think that that little luxuries mm-hmm. are going to continue to be a trend, um, especially since we were talking a little bit about how, you know, um, money's a little bit tighter and, um, you know, people are going to be staying at home a little bit more, you know, investing in little luxuries that you can have around your home um, and just kind of, you know, elevate that mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that is something that will continue to trend almost like a, you know, a resurgence of the, the pandemic area era. I mean, you know, Neil and his dog Heath, you know, were out of town for about 10 days and it gave me a bunch of time to clean and organize. Um, wow. And I started adding just a few little creature comforts to at home to make things just a little more luxurious, like really, really, really simple things that I find a lot of joy and appreciation. For example, just a very soft blanket. <laughs> um, I also pulled out some candles and like lit some <laughs> candles, like a nice soap for the shower. So you can oh, just wow. have like, mini little luxuries that just kind of make, you know, just just make the home life just just so much more um, inviting. Uh, yeah. And so I can imagine, you know, candle sales will, will continue to rise, blanket sales, just those small um, little luxuries that people can kind of splurge on and get a really great, you know, um, I don't know, was it a serotonin high? Is What is it? Serotonin or dopamine? One of those. Both. This will be great. You'll get yeah, both. You'll get both. A, yeah. It's like taking ecstasy. Yeah. Without yeah. having to, you know, in, invest in a giant trip to the spa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think I think that's very true. Mm-hmm. Here's one that actually does relate to social media. And I think you're going to agree with me on this one. I think we are at the end of the mega influencer. Ooh, I love that. We're already seeing this this year and the past few years with backlash against Danielle Bernstein of We Were What. By the way, like, I don't know why she's still churning out her garbage clothes because, like, (laughs) every – that's another one where people are like, uh-huh. I went to all fifth and they had a, five racks and they were all five dollars. Oh, wow. Or like, yeah. Same thing people are saying about TJ Maxx, Marshall's kind of thing. Um, but she's just churning them out. And then uh, there recently, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, there was an expose on Business Insider about Ariel Charnas of Something Navy. And she's another one of like, these are two of the like original big influencers that came up with Instagram. And I think it's just followers are just disenchanted with the constant sponsored content yeah. from people 
who don't even wear or use the things they're selling. And they consider themselves superior to their fan base and that they will not wear or use these things. Furthermore, I just think, and you and I have talked about this before, no one wants to see these so-called perfect lives anymore. Yeah, I think we're all seeing the impact on our mental health. We all call bullshit on it. They're... Every big influencer out there has their own snark subreddit at this point with people calling out this bullshit. I predict more authenticity and imperfection becoming the norm on social media. I know that's something I'm really pushing for on my platform. And I also think, and this, uh, you and I have agreed on this, brands are going to be cutting their influencer budgets big time next year. That's going to be the first cut. Because it's really hard. Like in the early days, it was really easy to see the direct line between a post on an influencer's feed and the sales. And it's just not there anymore. And in many situations, it's probably throwing away money. Um, And it's not cheap. It's not. It never has been. It's always extremely expensive and hard to kind of monetize and like recognize now. I just think people are over it. I mean, I think... Also, if we kind of look back at the, the last recession, not that I'm saying we're totally diving headfirst into the great another great recession, but t- times are tough and money's tight. And like you said, people probably just don't really want to see those perfect lives anymore. And, you know, back in the during the great recession, you know, affluent customers would go shop at, you know, like, what is it, Marty or who does the Birkin bag? Hermes. Hermes. How did we Sorry. That? I don't know. My brain. Well, because I just, just don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, Literally, that's how I feel too. Just can, yeah, I just don't care. care. Um, I don't care. But people go into Hermes and they would request brown bags to walk out of the of the store with, so that they wouldn't look like they were, you know, splurging during a time of a lot of like economic hardship. And I kind of feel like if that's going to continue happening, this will be the brown bag. You know, the brown mm-hmm. bag is going to be covering up people's lives. People don't want to see you splurging when everyone else is struggling. Totally, totally. And I just like, I see people for the first time in my lifetime being really, really honest uh, about the challenges they're facing. And, you know, that's, that's a big deal because even back during the recession, even though people knew that people were struggling, it wasn't normalized to be honest about it. Yes. You know, and I think now, I think the pandemic, I mean, we've, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for the entire span of the pandemic at this point, and we've seen how the people around us, ourselves, people we haven't even met yet, how their lives have changed and how we prioritize things ha- has changed. And we we want authenticity yeah. I mean, in a real and that, way. That's a trickle up from the Gen Z movement, you know, where yeah, now yeah. everybody wants authenticity. We're like, yeah, actually, that is something that we want to see. It's interesting, yeah, because I see, I still see people who, and these aren't people who are influencers, they're just people I knew who, I know, I guess I still know them, it's not a past tense thing, who were very, you know, in the 2015-ness of Instagram, uh, really parading these, like, perfect lives and all these trips and staying in, like, the most exquisite Airbnbs and staging every photo, and I would hang out with these people sometimes, and 90% of the evening would be staging photos, basically. Oh. It was, like, so unfun. And I still see those people doing that. Maybe they have kids now, but it's the same same thing. And I'm just like, how depressing is that? Because I know you didn't have fun. Yeah. 
You know? You didn't have fun. And you're <laughs> you like, able to enjoy it. You're flaunting yeah. this wealth that you have, I guess. But I know you didn't have fun. And I I think that all of us are starting to see through that. And it just feels like old. It's, it feels yeah. chuggy. It's chuggy. Exactly. Yeah. And people are really embracing JOMO, the joy of missing out, and just not, yeah. not caring. You know, yeah. I mean, it would be nice to be, yes, you know, on a beach somewhere, but maybe next year, you know? Yeah, I don't even, like, I. there was definitely a time where I would look at people's travel photos, which I see a lot less of those now, by the way. I would look at them and I'd be like, wow, I'm so jealous. Why can't I do that? And now I look at it and I'm like, mm, whatever. Ugh, that sounds exhausting. Traveling? Yeah, yeah. Like, have you traveled recently? It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Very true story. Uh, I had to do a whole bunch of trade show travel in July, August, and September. And I was like, I'm not going to make it through this. This is like horrible. Everything was terrible. Every flight was delayed. Everybody was being a jerk about masks. And it was just like everything was short staffed. It was it was terrible. It felt so exhausting. That's not a luxury. That's not a luxurious trip. No, it's not. But it looks it could look like it. Yeah. I see people posting photos, and I'm like, yeah, you're a magic. I think you need to simmer down. <laughs> uh, because, the you know, even the Dunkin' Donuts there is out of coffee right now, so you should probably just, like, stop. Uh, it's not a good time. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're going to see a big change there with mm-hmm. that. I would love and to I think see that. I, me too. Me too. I'm excited for that. Um, I, I'm so curious what then they will do. After they've lost all of these sponsorships. You know what? I assume, I hope they saved a bunch of money. But yeah. the thing about the influencers, it's and it's a it's a hard, it's a hard onion to peel, right? Because it's like, okay, well, they definitely are getting paid for this work and they get a lot of stuff for free too. But it just looks like they spend so much money to keep up appearances. Yeah. So true. it's hard for me to gauge what their financial situation is, but I would assume that they have put money away. And a lot of them come from pr- some pretty serious generational wealth, too. Mm-hmm. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I have one last one. Okay. Uh, and this actually is very relevant to myself. Um, and I, I'm thinking that, um, and it might, like I said, it might just me, be me, but I feel like there's <laughs> going to be a lot more people taking kind of online courses from certificates to masterclasses this year. You know, you are going to be kind of um, if you are going to be kind of staying at home, uh, mm-hmm. you might as well kind of work on your own professional equity. And, uh, you know, 2023 really feels like, you know, it's primed not just for kind of reinvention. Um, you know, 2022 was like getting back into the groove. 2023, reinvention. Um, but also prepping people for new opportunities, especially if we move deeper into Web3 and the creator economy. Um, you know, both of which are on my list of things to actually do episodes on. Um, but, you know, like the ac- access to educational resources and free tools is better than ever. Literally mm-hmm. free tools. Even it's Google true. has launched their Grow with Google program that I am actually doing myself. You know, I left my job in August and, um, you know, we're all kind of struggling to get jobs these days. So I'm, you know, I'm doing consulting, which is emotionally rewarding, but I'm also working on my own marketability and skill set mm-hmm. to make me be more competitive in the market landscape because it's literally impossible to find work um, for like future opportunities or a- 
as the as the the world continues to evolve and move from web two to web three, having more you know uh, more tools in your tool belt, I think will put you ahead of everyone else, um, and you can kind of lean on in in the future. So I'm currently taking a UX program, which I think is really f- uh, fascinating and useful, and it's affordable. Um, mm-hmm. And I really do hope that more people take advantage of some of these these kind of um, these programs that you can just do from your own home. I think it's blowing up. I know so many people who are like my friend Selena, for example, uh, went to Spain and filmed this class for Domestica that shows people how to upcycle clothing. Oh, that's uh, wonderful. And I think there's just more and more of it. They're really accessible price point. Um, I think it's also like if you're going to do something like that that's more craft oriented, you could do it with someone else and like have that experience together. Um, you know, take these classes, even these classes for like UX or something together. So you have someone to bounce ideas off of. I think that we are we are seeing, you know, many, many things that suck right now for sure. But also these good things are coming out of it, mm-hmm. like the democratization of information. Yeah, and, and and education and skills exactly where you don't yeah. have to necessarily get a you know a Harvard degree, but you can take Harvard classes for free on Coursera. You know, yeah, totally, totally. I think I think that's amazing. So I have a few more. They're all over the place. I have three. Okay, so one is an increased focus on sobriety and the end, just for now, of party like drunk culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for one, the millennials are like, how do I not have cirrhosis yet? More and more people are feeling the health impacts of years of drinking. Um, and a lot of people really double down on drinking in 2020 and even 2021, which is a feeling I can understand Agreed. because we yeah. have been through it, right? I see a lot of people now who are like, I'm sobering up. I'm going. I'm getting treatment. I'm adopting this new lifestyle. But also on top of that, Gen Zers don't love drinking like we did. They would much rather smoke weed. And all of those wine moms and all their merchandise, <laughs> they have ruined wine yes. and kind of drinking for us. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I do think that we're going to see a shift away from that. Like, there are going to be a lot less shirts that say, like, it's wine o'clock somewhere. I mean, I you know? personally have moved away from a lot of, like, wine and harder beverages because, it, you know... Not not just because I don't know. Um, I'm I'm trying to be more sober, which it's always a good thing. But um, you know, I've been I've been changing it into those those hard seltzers, which are just so much lower. Drinking um, one right now. Uh, they're amazing, <laughs> but they're yeah. like lo- they're such a lower alcohol content that it's more of like a very gentle buzz, and mm-hmm. it's a lot more affordable than drinking wine. Um, but it also you know it's just it. You, you you wake up in the morning and you're not going to feel it, you know? It's true. So I I haven't really been much of a drinker for a really long time, actually. I mean, even when, you know, you and I were working together in L.A., like, that was probably the most I drank for, you know, in recent years because we worked at Nasty Gal and everything was ridiculous. And even still, I'm just, like, not much of a drinker. But during the pandemic, I definitely shifted into the boozy seltzer because it doesn't upset my stomach. It's yeah. portable. It's affordable. Right. So – Kim already knows this, but I'll just tell the rest of you. I had a really, really horrible thing happen to me at work this week that was really traumatic and really triggering and turned into me like cr- literally crying all night, except for the brief break where I drank basically a glass of, of Suntory whiskey. Not like a full, like, 
Not like a, I don't know, a <laughs> pint glass of it, but like a big glass. Like a, couple sh- a couple shots. Definitely. And rapid fire. And I didn't eat any food. And I was like, was hammered, Kim, immediately. Had to go to bed, which was good. I don't think I I've ever seen sleep. you hammered. Well, it was, it went from sober to hammered and five minutes. And then 10 minutes later, it was in bed. It, yeah. it wasn't a party. Smart, smart. Um, and yeah. maybe the mission was accomplished. Doesn't sound like it, yeah. No, it was the mission was like, I just need to like, go to sleep um and i woke up the next day feeling totally ill i had a headache i felt like really foggy um and part of that was probably from like crying so much but i also was just like whoa don't drink a glass of whiskey again bro like it's not it's tough it's not the gentle the gentle vibes of a uh, boozy <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I feel like yeah. the boozy seltzer kind of does. It gives you just just enough of a buzz, um, but it also gives you a lot of like liquid. Yeah, yeah. So you're hydrated. You're yeah, hydrated. you're hydrated. I mean, there's even one out there called. I think it's called like Happy Dad that has electrolytes in it. Oh my gosh, I've seen that. So I'm going to tell you one that you should not buy. It's called mm. Mom Water. It's uncarbonated. <laughs> Oh, I was like, oh, I love it. And there was no. one called Sandy that was coconut no. flavored. And I was like, this is on my alley. And then I open it and I'm like, why don't I hear the s-s-s? And I took a sip and I was like, wait, this is just what? boozy water. Are you sure. Are you sure that it wasn't just yeah, a bad batch? Yeah, I looked it up. I looked it up. It's uncarbonated. Gross. I know. I like want to write them a letter and be like, guys, flavors are on point. Branding is on point. Had some carbonation. I mean, I did have one ca- called Cliche. It's a brand called cliche and i think they they mix in wine or something into it and it's got a really cool really cool branding um you know very very 80s very kind of like electro clashy um and i just, i took a drink of it i was with some friends we were like out and they're like oh what do you think and i was like i was like it, this is gonna sound crazy but this tastes like me going to the jc Penney's salon with my mom in the 80s. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, it it tastes like a perm. Like it Whoa. tastes like an That is action- not, not a good review. Not a good review. And, and they're like, no, it doesn't. And they try it. They're like, it does. It tastes like a perm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you. So, you know, like I have made it practically my job to try all of these brands because they're popping up over more and more. I mean, it was more than a year ago when you, you and I talked about how the like – Boozy seltzer market was already getting oversaturated, but let me tell you, it's still going. And there's even more like micro brands like yeah, that mom exactly. water that I was talking about. And we have a totally wine near our house, uh, which I actually just recently discovered a couple of months ago, even though it's like not even a mile from our house. It's just like hidden. Austin has all of these like hidden shopping centers everywhere. And a totally wine has like two aisles. Of boozy seltzer and boozy seltzer adjacent things. Wow. So I've been trying a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a vast majority of them are not good. You know? They they taste chemically. Yeah, yeah. There are a few that I've really landed on. Like we actually are really into ranch water. Me too. Really, that's oh, the one the I best. that's the one I get. And I always get it and I make <laughs> I like I make Neil drive out of the way to get the ranch water because it, it doesn't have a strong flavor profile. Uh-uh. And it doesn't upset your stomach, and it's it's not chemically. I love that one. It's 80 calories. Yeah, it's great, right? Um, I love I'm drink- that one. I'm drinking one right now that I recommend. It only comes in a four-pack. It's called Elenita, 
and it's sparkly mezcal. And this one has pineapple and jalapeno in it. It's oh. incredible. Um, I found one, and I can't remember the name of it recently, that was actually like an unsweetened boozy coffee in a can. Interesting. Five stars. Genius. There's Send it. A- Everyone should have it. <laughs> have you had the sparkling tea? Uh, boozy teas. I saw. I almost bought I like some them. last I week. Like you them. like them? Okay, I'm gonna try them next but time. I still time. like ranch water the most. Ranch water. Dustin and I are like every time we're like, mm, this is no ranch water. Like it, just, I don't know why it's so here. good. And you know what? Out, out here in LA, it constantly sells out at the Fonz. It's really hard to get. Oh, interesting. I mean, I think it comes from here. It does. So we have it everywhere. Yeah. yeah, it does come from there. Yeah. So I do think you know. What we're really seeing is the shift into things that are less a boozy seltzer and more a canned cocktail, which is something that Dustin has been like, you know, wanting forever because, you know, in Japan, you just go to 7-Eleven and you get a canned highball and it's literally just whiskey, soda water and a splash of lemon. It's not it's not a wine cooler. It's not a boozy seltzer. It's not sweet. It's just a cocktail in a can. And we're always like, why don't we have them here? But I think we're getting close to that. Oh, you know, we we do have them in L.A. Um, and my sister always gets them for me from um, the wine shop. She'll send me like like surprise um, alcohol drops. And she, there's these <laughs> – and she wow. always gets these, these amazing canned cocktails that are like wow. – they're like artisanal cocktails in a can, and they're incredible. I love them. Yeah, I think that we're we're getting there. I think that people, I think it's beer next. is oversaturated. It is definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's too many breweries. Mm-hmm. That's another economy <laughs> that is going to collapse the brewery industrial complex. I mean, I don't know. People love beer. I know, but I think people are going to have to cut back and go out for less beer. That's true. That's, that's I don't know. True. I don't. I mean, know. where where's like the 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 boozy seltzer brewery? That'd be cool. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to the Ranch Water Brewery. <laughs> Seriously. There's this arcade here that's on the river, and it's it's affiliated with a brewery because everything is. Um, but it's a really cool, like, retro arcade. But they also make their own boozy seltzer there. And it's nice to get, like, a pint of boozy seltzer and play video games. But that's, like, the closest I've come to that. Oh, we should We should make a list of our favorite boozy seltzer drinks and, and we should them. we should we should share them on instagram that mm-hmm. would be great i think everybody that. would really like that um okay so let me see i have two more here um one is i think we are this is like a big like a big political one if you will um without being too political uh i think we are in a pivotal time when it comes to organized labor uh workers rights and like our own part of that as consumers i think there's going to be really increased backlash against starbucks for resisting unionization oh there's more and more bad stuff coming out about what starbucks is doing to its workers as like retaliation um i actually read today that as of as of when we're recording this uh, tomorrow and friday all the employees at the macy's in union square in new york city Mm -hmm. are going on strike Wow. It's a big deal. Like to have a walkout right before Christmas. Wow. At Macy's. Yeah. That's like so many employees too. I think that's incredible. I am, you know, I'm a chronically online person, right? So I consume a lot of information. And one thing I do, because I'm also a creep on the internet, is <laughs> I follow a lot of subreddits that don't really apply to my life per se, but I just, I'm interested and I like learning about people's experiences. And one subreddit I follow is for people who work at Target. And it has actually opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I wondered why it was happening at Target. I was like, why is every Target just a shit show now? Why is every Target out of things? Why are there like two people working there? You know, all of these things that I had been wondering about. It's been very enlightening. And 
Target is making a lot of mistakes in terms of how it staffs its store and the systems that it uses. Um, and I think more and more people at Target are pushing for unionization as well. I think we're going to see a major backlash there next year. Um, and these are all really good things. Like if Target and or Starbucks really got fully unionized, that would have a ripple down effect for so many people. Yeah. So many people in, in this world. I mean, I've always said like, there should be a union for all retail workers, including people who work in the corporate office, because we get treated like shit too. All you the know? time. All the time. So I'm <laughs> saying, I, sign me up. Yeah. Sign me up. So I, I uh, think we're going to see more of that coming. And I do think like so much bad stuff is coming out against Starbucks. I mean, it's like Starbucks has had a, a growing PR problem for a long time, but this is like going to push it over the edge and what we have to do is hit like a tipping point where people are willing to sacrifice their frappuccino for workers' rights. And I think we're getting closer. And you know what? If you still want to splurge, which, you know, you can either make your coffee at home and, you know, save a, a couple bucks or just take it local. Take it to some a, Seriously, a local shop. Seriously, I would assume with inflation, uh, a frappuccino is like $10 now, oh, right? I'm sure. <laughs> I'm yes. sure. Um, if it's not, then Starbucks is probably losing money on something. Um, the other thing I wanted to call out, this is my last one, and this mm-hmm. should have gone back to direct-to-consumer brands falling apart. I think we're going to see implosion of the real real and thread up. Interesting. And maybe even some of these rental platforms because, well, there's a lot of whispering about the real real and how they will literally have like local reps that will go to people's houses and be like, let's go through your closet and just find all the stuff you're going to sell us. You know, like they're really mm-hmm. pushy mm. um, because they are struggling to get enough inventory to drive their revenue plan. You you know yeah. how it goes, right? Yeah. Classic. Um, and everybody who works in resale or retail or anything at this point is like, thread up must just be burning money every day because there's like no way with the level of infrastructure they need and the number of employees they need. And then the price point that they're selling at, that they could possibly be even coming close mm-hmm. to turning a profit. And that's the same for all of the rental platforms. That's fascinating. The only uh, yeah. platforms that for resale that are succeeding are the ones that say, hey, you you individual sellers do all the work. We just take a cut. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I was reading actually just before I got on this um, that Goodwill is struggling to have the to, to get the inventory themselves, even though Gen Z wants more and more from them, they aren't able to get the inventory to support the sales that or the demand. Huh. Interesting. People are just not donating clothes as much as they used to. Well, they probably hopefully ran out. That's my dream. <laughs> because <laughs> there for out a while, of it was crazy. Like I have these memories of like 2021, early 2021 winter, when Dustin and I had moved out to Lancaster County uh, we lived, I don't know, like a mile away from a Goodwill, a big one, like the biggest one in the area. And so anytime I was going to go out and run errands, I would drive by there. And, you know, a lot of times the Goodwill just wasn't open because we were under a lockdown in Pennsylvania, for especially for retail, for a pretty decent amount of time. And Goodwill was not like a, what would they call, essential service, right? right. So people were just dumping stuff there. And it was just like a mountain's. Of ripped open garbage bags and clothes and all this stuff. Like the whole parking lot was just covered with it. And it would just wow. make me so angry every time I went by. Like, why did you do that? Why did you put that there? You know, you couldn't wait. Right, exactly. 
Yeah. And I'm sure all that stuff went to the landfill because it got all wet and snowed on and got birds pooped on it and raccoons nested in it. Who knows? <laughs> well, the raccoons follow you everywhere. So that's true. Of course uh, we they're had, there. Yeah, they're they're here. We had four on the porch last night. Uh, <laughs> they were pretty cute. Um, they were all strangely wet. We don't know why. That part was confusing. But <laughs> <laughs> they do. They always find uh, me. Yeah, it's very interesting. Really I, I give off the energy. Well, <laughs> those are all the predictions that I have. And I think yeah. that's all of yours as well, right? It is, yeah. Do you have any last thoughts, last things you want to tell people for this, our final episode of 2022? I mean, I feel like I've already talked everyone's ear off for the past hour, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I definitely would say, you know, make sure to stay tuned for the next upcoming episodes we're working on. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'll have a lot of very interesting things coming up. We have a long list of things we want to work on, and I know that more will keep coming up. It's a weird time right now, um, for sure, in the world. And I think a lot of people are feeling down and stressed, anxious, uh, worried about eggs going over $10 next month or something, whatever's going to happen. But... I am glad that we're back and to be here and to be a distraction for all of you. And to me, these moments that we get to spend together really make everything else easier to handle. So I really want you all to keep listening next year. We're going to be there to be that light, that entertainment, and that education all at once. That's really, really important to me. For me, it was the department and close horse that got me through 2020 and 2021 um, and I want all this time that we spend together to help us get through 2023, yeah. which might be a fine year. But right now Hopefully. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, Maybe I when mean. Citron comes up on the scene, everything will be better. <laughs> um, you know what that means? When we were saying the word Citron, it made me think of another trend that like, I would like to look into at some point, which would be a nostalgic trend for sure. But it would be the forefather, if you will, of Boozy Seltzer, which is the era of flavored vodka. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Remember, it was like, first there was Stoli Raspberry, then there was Stoli Citron, and then yes. it was like every foul And then flavor. it blew up, of course, like coffee. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still see them if you go to the liquor store, but, you know, they always seem fully stocked is all <laughs> I'm do. saying. They really do, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're very right on that. <laughs> Okay, well, that's all we have for you. And we'll be back next year also. Remember, I'm going to be going to Japan in just nine days. And I'm going to be, you know, keeping an eye out for some new trends there and hopefully sharing stuff with all of you on Instagram. Hey, bye, everyone. Bye-bye.